0: Hey, welcome back to Chew The Bible, it's your good friend A.A. Ron. It is May 29th, 2023, 1125 in the morning. Hope everyone is enjoying their Memorial Day. This day where we remember the soldiers that were fallen, not just during war times, but when they return from war, shoot! It seems like lately, the world is in a. S- perpetual state of war. So, but I hope everyone's enjoying their day. A lot of Kansas City people are at the lake. which it took me a while to understand that people when they usually usually when they were talking about the lake they were talking about the ozarks which kind of reeks of privilege we'll just say privilege (laughs) because uh man yeah you said this boss when i worked at the bank peach bank peachman bank and uh he would ask me what i was doing for the weekend And I'll ask him what he was doing for the weekend He would always say Going to the lake Almost all the time Because he had a lake house I'm like man So you already own a house Here in Kansas City But you also own another piece of property On a lake with a boat Like we're in two totally different stratospheres right now I live in a little tiny duplex (laughs) I'm just struggling to get by. Working, this, I was working at Olive Garden, too, at the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of folks, go to Kansas City folks, go to the lake. And then this, Kansas City would be a ghost town if it wasn't for... All of the out of towners that come from like Iowa and Nebraska, states that have that are more boring than Missouri that border us. So, yeah, here we go. We are in Acts 18. Acts 18. Peach Privilege. There you go. So, that's a book title Peach Privilege. Paul at Corinth. Yeah, Read now the amplified version after this Paul left after Paul after this Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla, because the Roman Emperor Claudius had issued an edict that all the Jews were to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them. And they worked together for they were tent makers. Interesting. Verse 4 And he reasoned and debated in the synagogue every Sabbath, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, northern Greece, Paul began devoting himself completely to preaching the word and solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed. But since the Jews kept resisting and opposing him and blaspheming God, he shook out his robe and said to them, Your blood, damnation, be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. He's like, I tried to tell y'all. Are uh, hard headed. Verse seven. Then he moved on from there and went to the house of a man named Titius. Titius. I'll just say Titius. Titius Justice, who worshipped Titius. Does I to say Titius? Titius. Tell All right, Titius Dust Justice. Yeah, I was going to do a short name, but it ain't going to work. Tidious Justice, who worshipped God and whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus Atticus. No, not that Crispus Atticus. Crispus Crispus. These are some interesting names here. All right, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, joyfully acknowledging him as Messiah and Savior. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul's message were believing and being baptized. One night, the Lord said to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid anymore, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you in order to hurt you, because I have many people in this city. So he settled there for a year and six months, teaching them the word of God concerning eternal salvation through faith in Christ. But when Galileo, not to be confused with Galileo, was proconsul of Acacia, Of Achaia. I think that's how you say that. Southern Greece. The south side of Greece. The Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the judgment seat. Hmm. They had no clue. They about to stand before the judgment seat pretty soon. The real one. They had their own little fake little judgment seat. The judgment seat declaring this man is persuading people to worship God in violation of the law of Moses. They loved... I just don't get why they love the law of Moses. So much more than like... I don't know. It's hard to... I've read this stuff multiple times, but it's like and when I'm reading it, I'm just like, what am I missing here? Like, I mean, I get what's going on, but at the same time, I feel like I'm not fully grasping what's going on. And I understand. It's like, what was my, my main thing is, like, what was it about this religious spirit that was over the Jews that was so strong that they completely missed the gospel? That just shows you like the power of a religious mindset, how it really blinds people. And it wants to complicate Jesus' salvation, like or what it requires to get to heaven, or to have eternal life, or to have, yeah. Like, the gospel is so simple. It's complex, but it's so simple. At the core of it. Jesus came down to earth because y'all jokers couldn't follow the law. Even when y'all thought y'all were following the law. And he was perfect in every way. He showed y'all how to love and how to live a godly life. He demonstrated it for us. And then he died on the cross, rose again three days later. He died for our not yeah, he died for our sins so that we wouldn't that are we, yeah, this whole concept of having to work for your salvation was completely destroyed. Because we can't fulfill the law anyway. You're going to screw up at some point. I died on the cross, rose again three days, said I'm sending my Holy Spirit on Pentecost, which was yesterday. And the Holy Spirit dwells with us and in us when you believe and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Simple as that. But they couldn't accept that. Which I can't even like knock them. Because I'm pretty sure I'd be just like In a lot of ways I still have a religious mindset. And just growing up in the church is hard not to. These areas where you still believe that the gospel isn't enough. You know? Don't you know? Don't you know Verse 14, but when Paul was about to reply, Galileo, not to be confused with Galileo, said to the Jews, If it were a matter of some misdemeanor or serious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to put up with you. But since it is merely a question of doctrine within your religion about words and names in your own law, see to yourselves, I'm unwilling to judge these matters. And he drove them away from the judgment seat. Then the Greeks all seized Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and began beating him right in front of the judgment seat. But Galileo, not to be confused with Galileo, paid no attention to any of this. Paul stayed for a while longer and then told the brothers and sisters goodbye and sailed for Syria. I wonder if Paul ever got seasick doing all this sailing. And he was accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila at Centrea the southeastern port of Corinth. He had his hair cut because he was keeping a Nazarite vow of abstention. Oh, Nazarite vow. Oh, what's going on here? Now's all right. Wow. To abstain from or to consecrate oneself to. A sacred person whose separation was most commonly distinguished by his uncut hair and his abstinence from wine. And I'm assuming, yeah, he also abstained from sex. It's interesting, there's a whole university here. Something Nazarene. Way out in Kansas. Olathe. It's abstinence from wine or strong drink. Avoid defilement from corpse uncut hair self-control discipline to prevent addictions integrity stay pure pursue a holy standard refuse to allow fashion looks to lead you interesting i'm just reading this little picture of the modern day nazarite right vow Comes from Numbers 621 because apparently, yeah, that's what. It's uh, okay. Was Samson a Nazarite? Yep, Samson was a Nazarite. All right, let's keep going. Y'all go Google more on Nazarite, the Nazarite vow. All right, so what does that mean when he. After, when he So when he did cut his hair, that I means he stopped doing the Nazarite vow. He took a break? So was he drinking again? What was going on, mister? So many, like, I really wish I could watch the movie of Paul, like, the actual footage, not the little depictions of movies we make based on what we think his life was like. Because I really want to know what Paul's get down was. I know Paul had to have some flaws, man. He was a human, but the way the Bible depicts Paul like you had, like when I read about Paul, I think he was like almost like the closest thing to Jesus, of course, after he had his whole road to Damascus experience, but I know Paul had flaws, I know he had to he was he was like super short and not that attractive, apparently like people when the people describe Paul um, and his eyesight wasn't the greatest. Anyway, keep going. Verse nineteen. Then they arrived, and he had to have all kind of scars all over his body from being beaten so much. There's so much more I could say about Paul, and I try to be careful because I want to come across as blasphemous at all. But like, yeah, I put a but. It's like ah, uh, I. I wish the Bible would talk more about Paul's shortcomings, like when he talks about his throwing in his side. I don't know. Because when I read about him, once again, he sounds like the perfect man. Verse 19, Then they are the perfect Christian. Then they arrived in Ephesus, and he left the others there, but he, which there's no such thing as a perfect Christian, because they're all in the process of sanctification. Do, 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 do. Jesus was the only perfect Christian that ever lived. Verse 19, then they arrived in Ephesus and he left the others there, but he entered the synagogue and reasoned and debated with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he refused. But after telling them goodbye and saying, I will return again if God is willing, he set sail for Ephesus, from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church at Jerusalem and then went down to Antioch. And Paul was all over the place. Yeah, frequent sailing miles. (laughs) Pardon me, yo. Patiently wait for you. Pardon me, yo. All right, Paul's third missionary journey, verse twenty three. After sending some spending some time there, he left and traveled through the territory of Galatia in Phrygia. Phrygia, strengthening and encouraging all the disciples. Strengthening and encouraging all the disciples. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent and cultured man <clears throat> and well-versed in the Hebrew scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being spiritually impassioned, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things about Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly and fearlessly in the synagogue. Who is this do? Apollos. All right. But when... Not to be confused with Apollo Creed. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained more accurately to him the way of God and the full story of the life of Christ. <laughs> He's like one of them like new preachers that only knows, like, only got a few scriptures go-to's. He might say some stuff wrong. <laughs> And one of the deacons got to pull him aside, like, "Hey, uh, that's not quite the full gospel. there. he's so missing some stuff." And I don't know, yeah, yeah. But hey, he has some zeal and some and, and desire to. Uh, he has some zeal and desire to share the gospel. Verse twenty seven. And when Apollos wanted to go across to Acacia, southern Greece, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples, urging them to welcome him gladly. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who, through grace, had believed and have followed Jesus as Lord and Savior. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public discussions, proving by the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed. It seemed like there was a lot of great debates going on back then. And I don't, this is me, I'm personally, I don't like to get into debates with folks, like, I don't think that's a very effective way, use of time, and works. Because at the end of the day, that person's going to believe what they believe, like, I think it's personally way more, I mean, I guess they had to do that back then, but especially nowadays, it's like, humans are without excuse, like. And, I, like, I personally feel like if you if you pursue righteousness, eventually the Holy Spirit, like, if you pursue wanting to have a relationship with God, like, if you don't, like, know Jesus, you say you weren't raised in a Christian home and you don't know anything about Jesus, like, you live in some remote village or you grew up in, like, India where everybody was taught about harry krishna and all this other stuff right the hindu religion but you pursue or like some type of relationship with god and righteousness like living right the holy spirit jesus will somehow he'll get to you whether through a dream through some like missionary or through like nowadays you got technology where you can just turn on like online and you can hear about the gospel and yeah the Holy Spirit reveals himself to people he like some people like how this seems a lot fair about you know people who didn't grow up in a Christian home or live in some remote village like how do they get saved how do they experience salvation and once again that's another example of thank God I'm not God but I've heard people preach about this and read different commentaries and this my own personal belief eventually the Holy Spirit will reveal himself to you somehow some way even through just creation. And so, yeah, I personally feel like it's a waste of breath trying to debate with people. I don't like getting into debates with anybody about trying to prove the existence of God, first of all, for, and foremost. And then, secondly, on like, the power of Jesus Christ to save you. So I'm kind of like, hey, I tried to just be like a living, what do they say, like living epistles, like an example of Jesus Christ to the best of my ability, Um, represent him well, to be a walking billboard of of being a Christian. and, And I fall short every day and in my pursuit of following Jesus and falling short. I personally feel like that's one of the strongest testimonies. Or the, yes, that's exactly what we was talking about last night at church. Like the power of our stories, our testimonies, which y'all can go back a couple episodes ago. I actually told most of my story, my life story, in three parts. And so there's power, yeah, in sharing your stories, yeah. Every time some new rider gets in my car, and they're willing to talk, I, I don't try to force. I don't force conversation. I like let the person they want to talk, they'll talk, you know? And, um, I just feel like our testimonies said and unsaid someone just observing our lives. And then us, if they want to, you know, ask questions and you start sharing stories from your life and how Jesus Christ the things that he has done and things he's currently doing and the things you're expecting him to do in the future. That's way more powerful than me trying to debate with you about why you should follow Jesus and turn away from sin. That's why I love, like when when I talk to people, the way I share the gospel and evangelize is more about stories. I love to share the story of John chapter 4. I also love John 8. I haven't talked about John 8 in a while to people. John 4, the woman at the well. John 8, um, the woman that was about to be stoned. Um Genesis 38 about the dysfunctional family and how Jesus came from a dysfunctional family. Psalm 147, three about him healing our broken hearts and bandaging our wounds whatever Psalm that talks about him keeping our tears I always forget the number, Psalm 50 something I think, boy he keeps our tears in a bottle just the Bible's riddled with story, even just the story of Jesus Christ, the greatest story ever told, him hanging on a cross and how he understands us and he empathizes with our pain, like he experienced the worst abuse and pain that anyone could ever endure so he gets us (laughs) <laughs> As the billboard site i have no clue what that billboard is about i have not gone to the website like i said i heard some political group is behind those billboards but at the end of the day um at least the jesus on the billboards has a little bit of a tan uh but yeah he gets us and our your story way more powerful like i said than trying to debate with somebody trying to convince somebody that they should follow jesus christ and turn from their own wicked ways or all these their chakras and their crystals and their incense and all the other stuff that is just a substitute a false just a counterfeit way of living in a complicated way of living a confusing way of living it's way more it's way easier to just tell people about jesus and explain to them how crystals work and chakras and all that kind of stuff anyway uh and whatever other fill in the blank religion you want to explain to somebody do, 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 do. Like if you have you ever like tried to have somebody explain to you their religion and like why they believe what they believe, it usually takes a long time, versus the gospel I can explain in like two to three minutes or less. Should I can explain it in 30 seconds? We were sinners. We're all sinners because of Adam and Eve, and we needed a savior. Jesus came down on earth to save us, died on the cross so that we could have our relationship with God, because our sin separated us from God. So Jesus came to earth to die for us. And now, all you gotta do is believe in him and you have eternal life. You'll spend the rest of your life with him, in eternity, in heaven, with him, and all the other people that chose to follow him. That's it. Simple. And he sent a holy a helper, the Holy Spirit now, so that you can help him that you can that who helps you live a godly life and not just a godly life but a fun life an exciting life full of treasure and excitement because you you see all these cool things along the way you experience all these things that that reveal to you that strengthen your faith in him simple as that no heavy burdens no like you got to do this, this, and this, and this. And if you don't do this, you're excommunicated from the church and blah, 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 blah. And you got to wear this and you got to wear that. And, you know, none of that. None of that. You got to go buy this stuff, these crystals. You got to go buy this stuff. You got to burn the sage to ward away these evil spirits. No, when the evil spirits come out or I sense their presence, even when I don't sense their presence, I can pray in the spirit. I can pray out loud. I can quote scriptures. I can, and and I can worship God and that wards away all that stuff. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. My God is bigger than all that stuff. Anyway. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. Sometimes I don't know if what I'm saying is fully making sense to the people listening or if they even like are still tuning in. Somebody, Lord, is listening to this Somebody, long after I'm gone, will listen to this and be like, wow, Aaron knew what he was talking about. And I can't even boast, Lord, because the Holy Spirit is speaking through me. Because there's so many other things I could be doing right now. But, Lord, you empower me with the desire to even want to do this at 11 o'clock in the morning or 11.52. I just pray, God, that the people listening would... um, People even not listening. Just Christians everywhere. People would begin to Christians would begin to not stop complicating the gospel, and begin to just share stories of ways you Lord God that you have come through in their lives, where you were you revealed yourself to them and were made evident and real in their lives. And um, yes. I pray Christians will stop complicating the gospel, even me, Lord, every way that I want to complicate the gospel and make it harder. It's the gospel is simple enough for a five-year-old to understand, but complex enough for us to never get bored of it. So I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would continue to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray, amen. Romans three twenty three says for all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans six twenty three says for the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5a says but God